Let us pray. O Lord, take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. Take our hands and work through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire. All for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he turned and said to her, Because of these words you have spoken, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. As we entered the front doors of Richmond Hill for the council retreat in August, each of us were asked to put our hands in a bowl and take out a small piece of paper with a word on it. This word was to become our guide and to help us shape our intentions for the two-day retreat, and we were asked to spend some time in quiet to reflect on how it spoke to us personally, but also spoke to our commitments and our hopes for Richmond Hill. I reached my hand in, and out came the word, prophesy. <laughs> prophesy, a verb, to speak as if divinely inspired. <laughs> prophesy, to give instruction, to predict with assurance. <laughs> Why did I have to get that word? <laughs> I'm new to Richmond. I'm new to Richmond Hill. I have a lot to learn. I'm eager to listen and not so eager to speak. Almost immediately, I could feel this word challenging me. Prophesy. Speak with honesty and assurance. Speak up! This is something that's become actually much harder for me over time. I've been a pastor for almost 30 years, and I had thought it would be the opposite. As I grew older, I would grow bolder in my speaking. But it hasn't been the case at all. Maybe some of you have experienced this as well. Instead, I feel butterflies more often than I used to, and I hesitate. I prefer to listen. Sometimes the moment passes, and I think, 20 years ago, Janet, you would have had something to say about that. The scripture readings for this week seek from us a kind of boldness and courage to speak and to act when we need to. James asks, what good does it do? What good does it do you? What good does it do others? If you hold your faith only inside and don't let it lead you to action. There's a confidence of heart behind each one of these readings, a confidence that actually goes hand in hand with the humility of heart in the lessons 
and that Joel spoke about last week. In fact, holding these two realities together is perhaps my central question. How can we be humble in heart and also courageous in heart when we need to be? And there may be no better place to explore this question than this brief exchange between Jesus and the woman from Tyre. There's no other story quite like it in Scripture. It's a story about courage. The courage to speak in the women's case and the courage to change one's mind in Jesus' case. But what makes it so compelling is that this is a story of two people turning toward one another in humility when there would be so many good reasons for them to turn away and walk away. I want to look at the problems first, the reasons why they should have walked away. In the first place, there is the problem of energy and emotion. Jesus is exhausted and fed up. He's worn down and in no mood to talk to anyone. Jesus needed to get out of Galilee. He had just finished a grueling time of ministry, healing, teaching, preaching, that was filled with controversy. And so he went home to Galilee only to be met by disdain and rejection from his leaders, his religious leaders, from his neighbors, and even a lack of faith in his own leadership on the part of his followers. And he had just recently heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded. It was too much. He was physically and emotionally spent. Do you know those times? Do you have those times like me when you are so tired that you're angry? (laughs) Thank you. And I'm guessing that the woman from Tyre was equally frazzled. She was thin-skinned. She was probably totally isolated. Her daughter was sick. She was exhausted and angry and afraid herself. Exhaustion, anger, fear, thin skin, no mood to talk. The second roadblock to staying in the room is even deeper. It's race and class. The story takes place in Tyre. And Mark tells us that the woman is from Tyre. We are in her home city. We don't know why Jesus was there. Tyre's far from Jesus' hometown in Galilee and lies on the north of the Mediterranean Sea where Lebanon is now. Tyre is a wealthy city. Its elite own estates, sort of like second homes in Galilee. And they traded slaves from the interior all over the Mediterranean, making them very rich. Poor Jewish farmers raised food to provide for those wealthy Greeks, often leaving none for themselves. So when Jesus came to Tyre, he probably would have stayed in one of those Jewish farmers' homes. 
The woman from Tyre is most likely a person of power and privilege. While Jesus was living in the house of the vulnerable underclass and a part of them. He would have known this history well, and she would have known it well. And unlike so many other gospel stories in this one, she is the insider, and he is the outsider. Exhaustion, resentment, a painful history of oppression, all things that conspire to keep them and us silent and timid, or screaming and yelling. How many conversations have we witnessed or perhaps even been a part of that ended up this way? This meeting doesn't start well at all. When the woman asks Jesus to heal her daughter, he dismisses her and he calls her a dog. A racial slur that they probably both would have understood. In fact, she may have even heard people in her own community using that same slur against the Jews. We understand that kind of slur as well. This conversation should have ended here. But there are other forces at work in the story, spiritual forces of both humility and courage that transform the whole thing. There are probably many here that you can see, but I just want to highlight a few. The first spiritual force is the importance of it all. Maybe if the woman had come to Jesus for a lesser cause, or even for herself, she would have slunk away or stormed out of the room. Either way, it would have ended here. But she was there for her daughter. Her heart was filled with the driving force of love. This is a different kind of energy, and I believe this is a spiritual energy that Jesus responds to when he sits with her. It makes me think of Rilke's words, let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness, by its importance. Many preachers and commentators at this point describe the woman from Tyre as quick thinking and witty. She had, come, she had a comeback for Jesus' slur and outwitted him in his own argument. But it doesn't feel that way to me. Instead, I'm imagining that when Jesus dismissed her in this rude, horrific way, she was blown back a bit and shocked. This wasn't what she'd heard about this man. This wasn't what sent her running here, bowed down on her knees. I think she hesitated. I think there was probably a long silence where she looked at Jesus, and she looked at herself, and she remembered her daughter. 
And she took a big, long breath. Regrouping, recentering, literally repositioning herself away from both her power and her slur that she'd received. And taking a deep breath, said even the dogs receive crumbs from the children's table. I'll take anything you've got, Jesus. Please. She didn't leave. And he didn't leave either. The second spiritual force is one I'm going to call being in your home country. It's that strength that comes when you're at home. You're not an alien. You're not a stranger. The woman from Tyre had boldness and confidence because she was in Tyre. She was at home. When Mary was told that she was going to give birth to a son who would be holy, she was scared out of her wits. What did she do? She ran home to Elizabeth, and it was only after Elizabeth blesses her seven times that she has the courage to say the Magnificat. And Elkanah's wife, Hannah, as she sat at the family table where they ridiculed her and mocked her for not being able to have a child, she stood up, and where did she go? To the temple where she felt safe. And it was only there that she could open her mouth and speak and begin to pray and even barter with God. This is perhaps one of the greatest missions the Christian community has right now. This is what James is getting at in his teaching about favoritism. Helping all people feel that they are in their home country. Not a stranger or a visitor, but like a child at home. My favorite hymn. But like a child at home. Only when we all share this sense of being at home will we all share the same courage, inner courage, not some of us feeling strong and bold and some of us feeling timid and silent and uncertain and hesitant. This is what the ministry of hospitality is that I feel so much in this place. And this is what the work of community is that I see all around me in Richmond. Ron Crutcher, who's the president of the University of Richmond, says it this way. When we are truly an inclusive community, then no one here will feel like they just walked into somebody else's living room. They will feel at home. The final spiritual force I want to lift up in this story is the force of intimacy. Face-to-face -face intimacy. Jesus and the woman from Tyre were in a room together, two of them, talking, arguing, struggling, listening, staying. You and I both know how much easier it is to turn toward one another when you're face-to-face -face and in a quiet place. In the crowd, whether it's in the streets or online or in public forums, there's no time or space for learning, pausing, 
reframing, repositioning, redeeming. No space for the spirit. These transformations happen in intimate spaces, and we need more of them. We are desperate for them. I'll speak for myself. I am desperate for them. It would help me find my voice again. When Jesus heard her say these words, he stopped and turned and said to her, because of these words you have spoken, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Humility and courage. Enough so that she could stay and speak. Enough so that he could listen and change. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we have important work before us. Send your spirit upon us and fill us with all that we need, both humility and courage. And if one is lacking and one is too strong, create in us your holy balance for the good of your world. Amen. Amen.